Just a few years ago, everywhere you went, every place you looked, even ball games, and uh, I even one time on a beach saw a plane come by with one of those banners behind it, and it, and it had this, these letters on it, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And so last week, I began a series, not what WWJD, but I began a series on WDJD, what did Jesus do? So would you take your Bibles today, go to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 6, and as you're turning there, let me greet our campuses today. I'm Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I know today you've already been blessed in worship and praise uh, as you've been there, but we're believing that as we go into the Word of God, that God's going to speak to you today through His Word. So get your Bibles, go to the book of Exodus, the sixth chapter, and let's see what God's going to speak to us corporately today. The book of Exodus chapter 6, beginning in verse number 6, says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." Now, when we read that passage of Scripture, it may, maybe that doesn't mean much to us because maybe we haven't heard about it before. Uh, but the story there is the story of when God's children, the children of Israel, had been taken into captivity and they had been prisoners and in slavery for 430 years in the land of Egypt. And so God shows up through a guy named Moses, and he says, I'm going to bring deliverance to my children. I'm going to lead them out of the land of bondage. And so he sends Moses to Egypt, and he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you uh, some signs and wonders, and when you go before Pharaoh, the king of the nation, then I want you to do these signs and wonders. And one of them was he had a, had a staff, and he would throw that staff down, and it would become a snake, and he could put his hand inside his coat, pull it back out. It was leprous. He'd put it back in, pull it out, and it was completely clean. And, and Pharaoh was kind of impressed, but he wasn't real impressed because Pharaoh had sorcerers that could kind of do some of the same stuff. And so God said, well, that didn't impress Pharaoh. I'll do some other things. And so God gave Moses the power to call down 10 plagues on the children of Egypt. And, and we, we find out that they start off with the water being turned into blood, and then he calls forth for lice and fleas and, and you know, flies. I mean, it's, it's on and on and on, all these horrible things that happen. And still, the king kept saying, you know, I'll let him go. And then he'd change his mind and say, no, I'm not going to let him go. And finally, God said, okay, enough of this. I'm going to take care of this. And the Bible says that God spoke to Moses, and he said, tell the children of Israel to each family to prepare a lamb. They're to take that lamb. They're to slay that lamb. They're to take the blood of the lamb, and they're to place it uh, above the doorpost, on the sides of the doors, and even some scholars say on the threshold of the door. And, and then they're to take that lamb, and they're to eat the lamb, and then they're to go inside their house, and they're to shut the door and not come out until the death angel passes over. And the Word of God says that as they did that, as they were obedient to God to put the blood on their door to eat the lamb, that the Scripture says that that night the death angel came through the land and that he smote uh, the firstborn of every family, and not only the firstborn of every family, but also the firstborn of their livestock and killed them all. And there's this great upcry in all the land of Egypt because of the death that's happened. 
But the Bible says that in the land of Goshen, in other words, where the children of Israel lived and where they had placed the blood uh, on their doorposts and they had eaten the lamb, the Bible says that there was none of them that were killed. And God said that when the death angel passes by, that if you have the blood on the doorpost, he said, I will pass over you. And that's where the term Passover comes from. It's an Old Testament word, but it's still in the New Testament as well. The Bible tells us there in those couple of verses that I read to you that God says, I'm going to do some things. He, he lists some I wills there. Let me just kind of quickly go over them. He says, I will bring you out from under the burdens. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched hand. And he said, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And so this is what God says he will do for the children of Israel. Now, that's wonderful that God did that thousands of years ago. What does that mean to us? Well, here's what the New Testament says. The book of 1 Corinthians says that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. So just as, as the, the lamb in the Old Testament brought all of these benefits to them, in the New Testament, you and I experience the benefits of the blessings of Jesus Christ. How many of you remember reading or hearing about in Scripture where on the, on the night before Jesus was betrayed that he gathered with his disciples and he had a meal with them and he instituted what we call the Last Supper or we call communion? How many of you remember hearing about that? All right. Well, what that was is that was a Passover meal. The children of Israel were told from the time that they left Egyptians' bondage, in fact, it said it's an everlasting covenant, it's an everlasting feast, God said to the children of Israel, I want you to every year celebrate Passover. I want you to come together, I want you to have a meal, and I want you to celebrate what I have done on your behalf. And so that's what they would do. And so Jesus and his disciples have come together here, and they are celebrating the Passover meal. Now, when we read that, how many of you, having read this or maybe gone to church a long time, that you, you're familiar with Jesus taking the bread and breaking it and took the cup and blessed it, right? Everybody's pretty familiar with that? Well, if we get to really reading and studying, what we find is, is that the Word of God tells us that there are at least two times that Jesus takes the cup, and if we study history, what we find is, is that in every Passover meal, you can go study this, you can Google it, you can do whatever you need to, but you will find out that there literally are four cups that they share during the meal. And each of those cups coordinate to these things that Jesus said he was going to do on their behalf. He said, I'm going to bring you out. So that is the first cup, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The next couple of three weeks, we'll talk about the other three. But today, we're going to talk about the cup of salvation. Now, some, some translations and scholars call it the cup of sanctification, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But not only did God say, uh, I will save you from your sins, he also said, I will deliver you. So the second cup during the meal is called the cup of deliverance. And then the third I will there that we read, he said, I will redeem you. In other words, I will buy you back. So the third cup that we'll be talking about is the cup of redemption. And on the fourth week of this, uh, we'll be talking about the cup of restoration or the cup of the kingdom. God said to them, he said, I will be your God and you'll be my people. It's that restoring back in the kingdom relationship. So as we look at that today, what we're looking at this day is the first cup, which is the a cup of salvation. Here's what God said to us, and this is what I want to talk about today. He said, I will bring them out. Now, I want to tell you, God has brought us 
out. If you are a Christian today, you are no longer. You know, the children of Israel had been under Egyptians' bondage. They had been under Pharaoh's cruel oppression for 430 years. But when Moses got there and said, let my people go, all of a sudden, in one day's time, uh, they leave that oppression that they had been under. I want to tell you, the day that you get saved, you leave the oppression of the enemy. He has been your master, but he is no longer your master. He has been telling you what to do, but he no longer has a right to tell you what to do. Amen? I mean, you, you may have been, uh, been an unbeliever for 10 years, 50 years, or 75 years, but the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he leads you out of the land of bondage, and he begins the journey to bring you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. When I begin to understand what God has done. Uh, the Bible says in the book of Luke that on that night that Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. I want to tell you, we ought to be thankful people. We, we ought to live lives of thanksgiving for everything that Jesus has done. And then the scripture said he broke the bread and he, and he said, uh, this is my body which is given uh, for you. And then there's the following of the other cups that goes along with that. But what we understand is this, is that the body of Jesus Christ was a sacrifice for our sins. It's, it's a picture of that Old Testament lamb that was slain so that the children of Israel would not have to experience death. Now, I want to tell you, when you come into relationship in Jesus Christ, the old passes away, and the Bible says, behold, all things have become what? New, all right? And, and so we live in that place today. And so as, as we begin to understand this, what, what we find is, is that when I come into relationship with Jesus Christ, my spiritual life begins. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. You say, well, I was walking around. Yeah, but spiritually you were dead. But the moment you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins, you became alive unto God. And, and, and you, you begin to move into a new direction. Now, there's a whole lot of things you got to do. Remember this. It took God only one day to get them out of Egyptians' bondage, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. <laughs> Did you get it? That's called the process of sanctification. That's why that cup is called not only the cup of salvation, but also the cup of sanctification. Because what we find is, is that though we are in Christ, there's still some stuff in us. Am I the only one? Come on, the, the, the apostle Paul said, those things that I would not do, those are the things I find myself doing. He said, there's a law that works in me. It's called the law of sin and death. But he keeps going, but he says, but thanks be unto God which giveth us the triumph. So, so I want to tell you, when you come in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you come into Christ. The Bible says that we were buried with Christ in baptism to rise to walk in newness of life. And so we're in Christ. And when you come into Christ, you, you begin to experience some things in Christ that you've never experienced before. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you can have life, and that life more abundantly. Now, I want to help you today. If it kills, if it steals, if it destroys, it's not of God. It's pretty easy. Well, I, 
I, I think God made me sick so I'll love him more. Really? He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, your healer. How can he make you sick? Amen. He doesn't, God does not make people sick. If he is, boy, it gets quiet. If he is a healer, he can't make you sick. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning in him. In other words, he can't make you sick over here and then heal you over here. If it, if it steals from you, it can't be of God. Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, your provider. So if stuff's being stolen from you, being taken from you, God's not doing that to you. The enemy's doing that to you. So when, when we come into this relationship in Christ, we begin to see some things that happen in the Spirit. And so I want to give you five things today, real quickly, that happens to us when we come into Christ. When we understand the sacrifice that He has paid for us, when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, and we move into this relationship with Him. Uh, look in the book of Romans if you have your Bibles. If not, look at the screens. Romans eight twenty eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you have ever read that, that verse? Read that? All things work together for good. How many of you have had some junk happen? Right? How many of you have had some bad things happen? How many of you have looked at things sometimes and go, what in the world is going on? <laughs> Pastor just told me that God doesn't kill, steal, and destroy, but look at what's happening in my life. What's taking place? Here's what we've got to understand. The, the Word of God says that all things work together for good. For good in our lives. The, the first thing we need to understand today uh, in this cup of salvation is that there is no waste in Jesus. Now, what do I mean by that? Just write it down. There is no waste in Jesus. In other words, whatever has happened in your life, God can use. Whatever family you were born into, you might have chosen a different one, but whatever happened there, God can use it. You, you might have preferred to live in a different house, but God can use where you live. God can use your experiences. God can use the mountaintop, and he can use the valley. He, he can use, you know, people say, well, I, I wish I was born this color. I wish I was born, uh, you know, a male or a female. I wish I, no, 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 wait a minute. God, the Bible says God knew you while you were yet still in your mother's womb. And he knew your days. He knew everything about you. Don't let what ifs keep you from understanding that God has a plan for your life. And even when that plan gets diverted, that there is no waste in God. All things work together for good. The Bible says, in all things give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning Christ Jesus in you. In all things give thanks. It didn't say, for all things give thanks. I mean, I've had some junk happen in my life that I didn't thank God for. Well, Lord, thank you for that. No, but in that I can thank God, Right? I mean, if, if some dreaded disease strikes one of us, I don't think we need to say, well, Lord, thank you for, for I got this disease. No, no, no. But in that disease, we can say, thank you, Lord. In that situation, we can say, thank you, Lord. If, if you lose a loved one, you, you're not thanking God, hopefully, for that. But in that, you can thank God. In that situation, if you lose your job, you're not saying, well, Lord, thank you. I don't have to work anymore. No, in that. 
I found some people that that's what they thought. I'll give you a quick scripture on that one. He that don't work, don't eat, but let's keep moving. All right? I mean, there's, there's this whole aspect of understanding, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Whatever's happening in your life, whatever has transpired in your past, if you will let God, then there is no wasted lessons. There's no wasted time in your life. God is able to take whatever has happened, and he is able to use that for his glory, for his kingdom, and for his exaltation. And when we understand that, we begin to live with different eyesight. Instead of always saying, well, what if, what if, what if, we start saying, wait a minute, this is what God can do on my behalf. But it goes on. The book of Romans 8, 33 says, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Not only is there no waste in God, not only is there no waste in our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, but there is no judgment in Jesus now, now, let me talk to you today, but because a lot of us, uh, we, we, have, we have a hard time with this no judgment business. But, but I'm going to tell you something. I don't go to bed at night worried about whether or not I'm still saved. I, I, you know, it's been years and years since I've been worried about whether or not I'm going to go to heaven or hell. I know where I'm going. I know in whom I have believed, and I know that he is able to keep that which I have committed against that day. There's no judgment. Now, you may judge me, but he won't. You know why? Because the Bible says that there is an advocate, Jesus Christ the righteous, whoever liveth to make intercession for us. Every time you mess up, every time you sin, the Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth, present tense, cleanseth us from all sin. If I'm doing my best, now I may get in the shadows every once in a while, but if I am doing my best to walk in the light as he is in the light, then the Bible says that there is a continual washing and cleansing of my life and my sins are placed as far as the east is from the west, never, come on, never to be remembered against me ever again. You may judge me, but Jesus has already paid the price. In fact, every time, the Bible says that the devil uh, is the accuser of the brethren. That probably means he's the accuser of the sisterins too. In other words, the devil accuses us before God, and that's quite clear out of the book of Job. You'll find out that the Scripture says that when the sons of God presented themselves to God, that Satan came with them and said, what about Job? What's going on there? And, and, and you, you know the discourse there, but here's what I want you to understand, that any time that the enemy accuses you before God, there is the righteous one, Jesus Christ, who steps before the throne of God in the courtroom of heaven and says, the price has already been paid through my blood. They are forgiven. They are clean. They are pure. There is no judgment against them. Now, I don't know about you, but that's liberty to me. That is exciting to know. Now watch, some of you can accept that up until today. You go, yeah, I know Jesus took care of my sins, and I understand that in the past, that, wait a minute, if he took care of the past, he's also taking care of the future. 
Now, I'm not preaching you can live any way you want to. The book of Romans, the apostle Paul said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he gets quite vehement. In fact, uh, some scholars say he's almost swearing. He says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin continue any longer therein? See, when I understand the security that I have in Jesus Christ, Somebody says, well, you're preaching eternal security. And I said, well, I'm preaching eternal security, but not unconditional eternal security. Now, you play with that for a while. I, I believe I'm eternally secure, and I believe I can, through the process of life, walk out, walk away from God, and get away. And I, but, but I want to tell you, it's a whole lot harder than we thought it was. Because why? We have been redeemed, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, that blood is powerful. That blood is efficacious. In other words, it is ever-cleansing. It is ever-purifying. It is keeping me from the judgment. So it's not just my judgment from yesterday. If I will ask him, he will forgive me. The Bible says if we sin, there's an advocate. And when he forgives us, we're forgiven. Now, somebody may come and remind you of it, but that's what this next one's about. Romans 8, 34 says, who is to condemn? Ha. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. You know what else you don't have? Not only do I not have judgment, I don't have condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. People say, well, Pastor, as long as I'm walking after the Spirit, then there's no condemnation. No, read the Scripture, read the setting of what that says. What that means is, is, is remember the story of Nicodemus and Jesus at night? You've heard me say, you know, I like to call that Nick at night. Come on, laugh at my jokes. Okay. And and. And he goes in and says, that which is born is spirit is spirit, and that which is born of, of water and flesh is flesh. Well, when you come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you have moved into spirit birth. And so, therefore, you are no longer walking after the flesh, but you are walking after the spirit. So, if I am walking after the spirit, that means there's therefore now no condemnation in my life. Well, what about what you did? Jesus Christ forgave me. Jesus Christ set me free. Jesus Christ has released me. He has broken the chains of bondage in my life, and I no longer have to live under condemnation. You, you, you need it. Some of you need that. Some of you have lived under condemnation most of your Christian walk with God. Somebody told you, look, you, when you mess up, God's going to get you. No, the consequences get you. God doesn't get you. Amen. I mean, you sold the flesh, the Bible says you're going to reap a whirlwind. But, but God breaks the condemnation off of our life. The, the devil always uses lies. Have you noticed that? He started lying in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. He has not stopped. In fact, Jesus said he's the father of lies. He, he's a liar. And so what happens is he shows up in your life. He says, don't you want to do that? Nobody will know. In fact, everybody's doing it already. And you say, looks pretty good. Think I will. And then as soon as you do, he jumps on your other shoulder and says, how horrible you are. I can't believe you did that. You call yourself a Christian. God can't forgive you. You're a dirty, low-down sinner. And we start going, yeah, right. You're right, Satan. Preach it. <laughs> Give me some more. Right? And we walk around feeling like dirty bums. And yet, the Word of God says there's no condemnation. 
Now, what does that mean? Does that mean we just continue to sin? I already quoted. Paul said, no. So what does that mean? Listen, I don't want to sin now that I'm saved. You say, do you never sin? Of course I do. But, but I don't want to. When I do, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I may like it for a minute, but then it's over. It's like, why did I do that? Come on, am I the only one? No, don't act so holy. It's like, okay, I wanted to do that, but now, man, that was horrible. Why did I do that? Why did I act that way? Why did I respond that way? Why, why did I think that? Whatever. And, and it's, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like, what, why would you get married to date? Some of you, I'm giving a word of wisdom here. I mean, if you want to date, don't get married. But if you get married, cut the dating out, right? It's the same way. We don't get saved so we can sin. We get saved so we can walk with Jesus, so we can come out from under this condemnation. Now, if we sin, there's an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so we run to him and say, Lord, I've messed up. And he said, I know, I knew it before you were going to do it, and you're already forgiven. You, can I just do this and be done with this part? You, you do realize that everything that's in your future is in Jesus' past. Look in Romans 8, 37. I've got to get this sermon done. Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The fourth thing that's in Christ when we're, we're, we're brought out in this aspect of salvation and sanctification is that there's no defeat in Jesus. The Bible says it this way. He says there's no weapon formed against you that is going to prosper. He, he didn't say you weren't going to be in some battles. He didn't say you weren't going to go through some downtime. He didn't say you weren't going to experience some things. But he said you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. I mean, how, how wonderful is that? No defeat. You, you say, well, uh, you know, I had a little setback. That's all right. Setback just reconnects you to get able to, you know, every once in a while you got to reboot. All right? Every once in a while you just got to turn off the computer so you can reboot it to get back where you need to be. Sometimes in our lives, uh, it, it's not a defeat if we learn the lesson. It goes back to the first part of this. See, and, and so, so I'm, I'm learning that no matter what's taking place around me, I'm able to enjoy the blessings and the benefit of God because he has told me that there's no defeat. Let me show you a couple other things. Look in verse 38 and 39, same chapter. He says, for I am sure, this is the apostle writing, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, now here's the, the fifth thing is there's no separation when you're in Jesus. I mean, did, did you read that list? Neither death, nor life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, nor height, nor depth. I mean, one of the prophets said, he said, even if I make my bed in hell, there you are. Right? Uh, and, and, and he says, and he goes on to say, nor anything else in all creation. As I was studying for this, God said, that means everything. I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, I mean everything. I said, what does that mean? He said, think about it. I said, I am, but I'm not getting it. He said, what did I create? I said, God, you created everything. He said, then why do you give so much credit to the devil? I said, I hadn't thought about that. Come on, you remember the devil made me do it? 
And yet God says right there in that passage, he said anything that he has created can't separate us from the love of God. You do realize that a third of the angels which fell, which we now call Lucifer and his band, were created by God for heavenly worship. And God said even that covering cherub, the, the one uh, who, who was the closest to the throne of God in heaven until rebellion was found in his heart, even he can't separate you from the love of God. Now, I, I don't know what else we need today. Once we hear that word that says, you know what, if God is for me, who can be against me? If God is on my side, then you know what, I'm going to walk in the security of my salvation. I'm going to walk forward. I, I, I know there's going to be sanctification. I understand it's going to take a while to get Egypt out of me. But you know what? It's not, is Egypt out of me completely, is am I completely covered in the blood of Jesus. And if I am completely covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, then I have the assurance. Just as those people, when they walked through that door, they were completely sealed and completely covered, and the death angel couldn't touch them. When you are in Christ, the enemy can't take you. And so you know what? It's a great way to live, to live with the security of your salvation, to live being sanctified, walking into purity, moving into every aspect that God has for us. And that's what he's called us to do. And as we do that, the Bible says that he takes us from glory to glory, from one level to the next level to the next level. You know, you may look at me and see things in my life and say, man, I wish he'd get that straightened out. You know what? I do too, but you should have seen me 10 years ago. I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And as long as I continue to improve, that's the process of sanctification. But you know what? It's not my improving. It's Christ who lives in me, who improves every aspect of my life, and I walk in him covered in his blood.